Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Are you tired of working nine to five? Are you tired of your dreams going unfulfilled? Are you still letting fear stop you from pursuing that business idea? Well, all that stops today. I'm Shawnee Sanders, host of The Girl Take No Podcast, a podcast for ambitious women looking to ditch their nine to five and take the leap into entrepreneurship. Each week, you will learn the mindset, methods, and actionable steps other successful entrepreneurs took to make the shift from full-time employee to full-time entrepreneur and live the life they always dreamed of. Now let's get into today's episode. Hi, it's Walker Lushu, the Girl Techno Podcast. I am your host, Shani Sanders, and today we're having a conversation all about money. So come on, Bosco, you got to get your money together. And I guess today is Patty Handy. She is a financial coach. She is an author, and she's empowering divorced, single, and window widowed women to have financial confidence, which is something all me. Patty, welcome to the show. Thank you, Shawnee. It's so great to, to be here. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. I do good on that intro because sometimes, Patty, I could mess up an intro. Okay, you did. You did awesome. A plus. I did my best. I had a little fun ball. I did my best. <laughs> a plus. Like tell people that. Let them know. Don't be. Okay, so before we head into any conversation, give me the story behind the brand. What inspired you to become a financial coach? Is the the point that the seed was planted many years ago when I went through my divorce. Um, I've been divorced now over over twenty years, and I uh, had a moment. It was a very strange, very odd moment. I remember like literally probably a week or two after my divorce, um, and I was laying in a fetal position, just sobbing with, "Oh my gosh." Where do I go? What do I do? Just the overwhelm. Yeah, I had uh, my, my son is 18 months old at the time, so I had him under my uh, under my wings, and uh, I, I was lying there, and I had this strange download. I call it God whispering in my ears, just saying, yeah. um, "You're going to be okay. Uh, you have a handle, and you understand how to manage your money. And you're going to be fine." Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that was very strange because I wasn't even thinking about the financial piece. I was just like emotionally distraught. Yeah, that weird download happened, and then a couple months later, um, probably I should more like a couple months, probably like six months later, um, I just I had this this epiphany that I wanted to do something to take this experience of divorce and what I've went through and help other women because I know a lot of women aren't empowered with with financial uh, smarts for to, to know yeah. that of anybody it just wasn't taught at home and not in schools and so yeah um, you know. The, the, the journey was I had to make a living for my son. I was in corporate America before I had him and uh, corporate banking, I should say. And um, I went to, into the mortgage lending world. I was a mortgage advisor for many, many years. And then I transitioned into a financial advisor. And I did that. 
for, for a bit. Um, really enjoyed both roles, but in both of those roles, I had many, many conversations with women, mostly who were divorced or widowed or, or single, and just overwhelmed, fearful, um, embarrassed. The same thing was coming up over and over again. And, um, you know, at the financial advisor, our, my firm had minimums as far as how much we needed to have the portfolio size to, to, to work with them. And a lot of the things I spoke to did have that. Um, anyways, kind of fast forward to today, I decided to take that leap of faith, jump from being a financial advisor, go into coaching, and specifically working with women who are divorced, widowed, and single, um, to just, it's more of a, you know, life coaching, financial coaching, teaching, um, a lot of education, but it's a lot of coaching as well. So, yeah. Yes. Did you always think you'd be an entrepreneur? That year, did you just kind of like, it just kind of like actually happened for you. You know what? I, um, I've always loved being an entrepreneur. I, I've, um, my first little stint was when I was like nine years old. We lived up in the hills, far away from everybody. And I love candy. And I figured, no, my neighbors would like candy too. So I started a little candy stand. And now they're little. Yeah. And, and, um, so I, I took my money and went down to the store where my mom went, of course, and I would buy candy bars and had a little stuff in my garage freezer. And, um, and I would sell candy to the neighbors. And then I would, I graduated to like ice cream bars. And it was just, God, that was sort of why I took her on a little spirit. So, um, yeah, ice cream bars, that's bad. Your candles frozen. Yeah, both of them in the freezer outside the garage. We had, a, we had a garage freezer. And so I stashed my, uh, my little pile there. Ah, oh, that is so awesome. You know, let me talk about when you took that leap. Was it scarier to take that lead because, you know, basically, you know, a lot of us would say, hey, you're in a pretty good position as a financial advisor, right? Yeah. Was it a scary for you to say, okay, I'm going to do this on my own. I see a need and I'm going I'm to do this on my own. Was it scary for you to do that? Oh, yeah. It's still scary. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. You know, I left a job with, a, you know, obviously, a, a, you know, an income and, yeah, uh, you know, a good income and benefits and the 401k and all that, all those bells and whistles. To, to nothing. He's in this I had to go out and get my own medical insurance. And yeah. The, so yeah, it definitely is a leap of faith. But I, I'm at the stage in my life where I look back and I thought, you know, the fear of regret of not doing this was greater than the, the fear of the comfort of that position. Yeah. I'm wanting to look back, you know, 80, 90 years old and go, what if I just done that? What if I had... Imagine what the world would be like if I was able to help 100 women or 1,000 women or 10,000 women and then lay on around 110,000 and just what a ripple effect that would have on the on the world and then their kids and how that would just, again, ripple out to the world. And yeah. um, I just got pissed off. You know, when I when I would think about that, I thought, you know, I'm just going to do it. Doing it. That's so that's awesome. Because it's all about the service, the act of service. You know what I mean? It's like, like you said, just that ripple effect because you educate all these women on money, educate them on how to have that financial freedom and how to just have a better relationship with money, which I think I all need to understand. Right. And that is, that's powerful because not a lot of people have that type line ability. You know, I think people I talk to in my circle, the majority of us really need to improve our relationship with money. You know, we're just now beginning to think about, okay, how do we build a business? Do we do a holding company? Like, you know, just different things in order to have a better relationship. How do we invest in what we do? How do we bring it in? Yes. Yeah. So it, it definitely, it's, it's one of those conversations that most people don't like to talk about. Yeah. And it's uncomfortable and people are embarrassed and they have shame around it. So they don't even discuss it. 
And there's no shame. There's no, you know, I, I want to remove that word from the vocabulary because it's, it's not different than me not knowing French. You know, I am yeah. French in school. I didn't, we didn't speak French at home. So why would I yeah. know French, right? Yeah. So um, I, I don't want to embarrass. I don't speak French. I just, I never learned it. So yeah, the, the, Apps, you know, the actual mechanics of money are actually very simple. They truly are. It's just that people look at this and the, the financial world makes it so, you know, complicated and it just need to be. Why do you think we're so ashamed of, like, talking about money? You know what I mean? Like, it makes us look as, you know, I guess I just feel like we didn't make good decisions in our life. You know, we still don't have it. I mean, I don't know what that is. So why do we feel that way? Yeah, I think um, I, I think there's, there's a lot of, you know, deep rooted issues to that that's a that's a, that's a big question yeah um you know a lot of it is around society there is this you know yeah it's impressed you know the neighbors and let's outdo the joneses and let let's you know compete in that arena and you know when you get to a place where you don't give a crap what your neighbors think you just want to live a good life and you want to live like you said a life of service and be able to take care of your family and and you know uh you know donate where you can and all of that yeah. stuff that what you know life's about then you really are in a place of comfort and and, and confident and, and being in that power place it's not about you know buying a bigger home or fancier car and i'm not saying nothing's wrong with that i mean yeah lovely but um not at the expense of your re- retirement being compromised or just the lifestyle uh and i think a lot of that back to your question is is society i think it is uh just a conversation that because we're not confident in it and we're not comfortable with it, it's just, it's hard to talk about. It is. And it just makes it more comfortable. Yeah. And I know that whole thing of people the jealous. I feel like, and if you correct me wrong, it's like now, I don't know, I guess back then, it was saw as success if you're just able to own a moderate home and have the white people sense. You know what I mean? Just something of your own. Where today it's like, oh no, you got to have the big house, the big car. You got to take a big vacation because it's so much what we see on social media. And that's kind of like how I'm now acknowledging if we're successful in that. And we really shouldn't be doing that. No, absolutely. 100% no. And and we just need to get to that point where um, I think that's where we as human beings, and we're all on this journey. I'm not like I am, yeah. you know, arrived. We're all on this journey. Um, but I think that we have, when we're at that place where we are completely indifferent to what other people think of the car we drive, the house we live in. Yes. It is a, it is a matter. It doesn't matter. It's it's no it's no different than what color socks I'm wearing. You know, it's like it's like it's just so indifferent. Then then we've we've come to a place of, of that that peace. And uh you know, to me life is about making memories and having guesses. And if you wanna make money because you wanna take your family on a one month trip to Italy, then, you know, God bless you. That's that's a beautiful thing. Um if it's if it's just to you know feed the ego to like I said you know impress somebody else, then then it's time to do some reflection and and to really understand what that's coming from. Yeah, it is. What has the journey been like for you since you've been working in your own business? Has it been like I don't know, business have ebbs and flows. You know, we have some hot good days, just some days where you're like, oh, I know to the best that I'm still doing it. <laughs> yeah, how has it been for you? Yeah, it's um just like you said, it's just close. You know, there's days where I'm like, Oh dear Lord, did I do the right thing? <laughs> Should I have really done what I did? 
Um, and, and then I wake up, I'm like, no, this is great. This is awesome. I know yeah. this feels good. This feels in alignment with me. Um, I think the culmination of what I've gone through in my life between my divorce and all the experience I've had in, in work with having these conversations about them has brought me to this point. And I, I, I truly believe, you know, God's been poking me all these years and, and, uh, finally just said, okay, enough, well, then let's do <laughs> yeah, exactly. Listen, if God is really the you can't go wrong. I, yeah, I feel about it. Exactly. Lead out. I'm on this. You know, let me ask you this. So back in the day, we know how there was a lot more house guys, right? And a lot of them didn't work. They really depend on the husband. So if a divorce was to happen, a lot of the ones like I was left with nothing. You know what I mean? And almost like nine skills to work order, right? And then today... It's different. So when you look at women who are divorced or who are single and widowed, are they kind of like in the same similar situation where they're like, I don't really know what to do. I don't have the financial stability, especially if they're married and divorced now. I don't have that financial stability because he was paying half of my And now here I am. I have to manage this myself. What did I do now? Do you, do you get a lot of water like that now? There certainly are a lot of women who are all makers who stayed at home to raise their kids. So do you yeah. have the then uh, track record of an income, which means their social security is affected. Yeah. And so it sort of ripples and then they just let the husbands manage the funds because they just did a better job or so they bought it. And they, they just, you know, it was like, no, that they didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. And um, especially with widowed women who whose husband took care of it and suddenly that husband has passed unexpectedly. And we see that for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's the... Um, you know, the trauma and the grief and the emotions that they're trying to get through and the financial pieces, the last, you know, piece that they're thinking of, they're just like distraught over losing their husband that they loved. Mm-hmm. And um, the financial piece has to be addressed for sure, but it's, you've got to be really careful that you um, make wise decisions in those moments because sometimes it, when you're in that state, you don't make the best decisions. You've got to just kind of pull back and wait until you're kind of above water. Yeah. Um, but, but yes, a lot of times the men would take care of the, the funds. Uh, I've run across you know, ladies who didn't even uh, know where they had assets, what they had. They just, you know, knew that the husband was taking care of it, never really concerned themselves with it. And that's dangerous, even for, you know, happily yeah. couples, because like you said, you know, it's like somebody passes unexpectedly, husband or wife, if yep. one or the other did the bills, um, you know, in my marriage, I took care of the bills. My ex-husband didn't know squat about investing or what, where things were. And um, if I had passed, he would have been, you know, in a will of hurt. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely think that those conversations have to happen. Yeah, I think so, too. But like you said, it's such a hard conversation to have. But as married couples, it should be finance. Financial rules should be something to talk about. It should be a conversation when you talk about, you know, even, you know, when we started talking about burial insurance. You know what I mean? We don't think about, well, I'm like, living. You don't think about that. Right? Right. Right. And you don't think about planning for that. You know, we had, I had this conversation the other day with my, some of my friends where I talked about, I said, you know, I don't, I just really didn't really, when they passed, they kind of like passed down their debt versus their asset. And it's like, you know, don't, I want to be a different type of parent. We had maybe actually passed down build generational wealth. Well, I'm not just leaving behind my debt to my children, but I'm actually leaving behind something. Yeah, what is, how do you first get on that path? How, what are some of the steps you tell the first thing to get on that path to build, to start, to start building and having a better um, relationship with money? 
Yeah, let me, I'll, I'll answer that question, but I'll, I'm going to make a, a, a comment on the other point about leaving your kids' debt versus yeah. assets. Um, there was a study done, and uh, I, it's probably a year now since I've never looked at the statistics, but the number one thing when they did this huge survey was, uh, you know, individuals who were very, very old and, and lived a full long life, um, the number one thing that they wanted to pass down to their kids, and it was their cores and values, um, rated like 73 or 75 percent versus assets, which only rated like 30 or 35 percent. So the need to pass down core values and, uh, you know, character traits was far more important than here's a bucket of money and, you know, how, how fun was it? So I made that bad. I, I, I found that to be very, uh, I, I was actually surprised. I think it was lovely. I, I love to hear that. But I was, yeah, I was surprised. I thought, you know, passing out assets would have raked a little bit higher. But um, uh, to, to your question, um, what we're doing today mm-hmm. is kind of the start. It's that, it's that pebble in the pond where you just drop it and that we talked about earlier, the, the, the ripple effect. So yeah. um, have the conversations, do the education, reach out to people, get help. Um, and that's also what's fueling me to do this because I know that when I teach these ladies this information, they can teach their kids. Yeah, and they can teach even their adult kids who are coming out of college and they're coming out with school loans and you know credit card debt. That's important. Yeah, and if if they can and get empowered, they're going to be in such a better state than we were. You know, when we were in college many years ago. So, um, I think that that is the start. Having those yeah. conversations, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. If yeah, do you talking about money? Fine, be uncomfortable, but do it anyways. Yeah, do do the research, talk to people. Read the books. Um, online is very noisy, and online doesn't necessarily have all the accurate information. So think careful what you get online. Um, but reach out to somebody that you trust, like maybe a referral from a friend that you yeah you know worked with. Um, but start taking inspired action and and start learning. Yeah, you know, and the learning piece is so important because when I think about my mom, my mom come from a generation of all the employees that. If you got a dollar now, say 50 cent, right? Sure. They didn't necessarily invest. It just to do, I had to save money for a rainy day. I had to save money for kids, save money, save money. But when they never taught us about printing cards, they never taught us about printing and never talked about debt. And it's simply because I'm like, I don't have that one because she didn't know. Sure. And because I, I remember in college, I remember in college, I was just, they used to tell me one while credit card companies come on camping. Yeah, with their tenables and recruiters. Hey, she, if you get this credit card for $5,000, no money, you got it for every day. They, they make your niggas free money. Like, yeah. Yes. And that was, I get in my job. I, I, I was bad about credit card debt because we thought it was free. I didn't know I had to have pay it back at the end of the month. I want to put something on it. I thought it was just they were charging you. Didn't even know anything about interest. Yeah, whatsoever. So, so education is so important, as you said to me, to, like I said, for the women that you help them be able to educate them and then they educate their children, because I really wish my mom and Bob would do it for me. Yes. Yeah. Because I would have made different decisions today. Yeah. That is so huge. And, and I believe to date, those credit card companies are no longer allowed on campus. Thank God. For, for that reason. Yeah. And, and oftentimes, um, and I've seen this even, you know, with, individuals who were older than college age were they look at their credit card statement and they just pay the minimum thinking that that's okay and then realize how it compounds and how that interest rate is compounding and 
mule. I mean, it'll take you a very long time to get out from underneath that um, at these 20, 25% interest rates. So paying the minimum doesn't make a dent. And that education and understanding what how that works and those calculations, I think if the, that information was taught in schools, the yeah. college, none of those companies would have had students that said, sure, let me have a card. They'll say, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think it should be taught in school where they talk about credit, they talk about debt, they talk about interest rates. Is it? Because, I mean, we really need to start educating kids on real world things. Not if we're just out, out in the real world. I'm about to say we should have learned it, but, you know, I don't even really date. You know what I mean? But uh, the real things that we use when it comes to credit, finance, being able to, you know, manage your money. I think when people have to tell just how to manage a check, how to balance, not the balance check books. Right, right. Yes. It's like now I don't even get checks at all because I feel like they're a hassle. Right, right. We've come so far when it comes to information that is out there to help manage money. But what do we see some of the, what do we see is some of the biggest struggles with women when it comes to um, their financial state or status? It's, it's varied. I think that there's a lot of, um, because they aren't comfortable with it, uh, there's obviously a, a huge amount of fear and it's the, you know, paralysis by analysis situation where there's just the deer in the headlights. I don't ever know what to do, so I'm not going to do anything and yeah. you know, figure it out eventually. And, um, and that's when you get in trouble, right? That's when things become really messy. Um, they don't know where to start. It's like, well, what do I even begin with? Do I yeah. focus on getting out of debt? Do I focus on getting an emergency fund? How do I invest? What's a mutual fund? What's an ETF? What's the difference between the two? What do I? You know, there's so many things that people are being fed, and and I think a lot of the the financial world is made to seem complicated, and so my focus is simple, simple, simple. Let's just break this down into little itty bitty bite sized pieces. Yeah, and and once it's all broken down, and once it's understood, what a for example, a mutual fund is versus an ETF, or what the difference is. It's like, oh, okay, that's easy. I, I get that now. Um, and uh, I had a actually conversation with a gal when I was in the financial advisor role. She had come in the office, and she was um, really divorced, extremely emotional. Most of the meeting, she was just you know very emotional and in tears. And her husband took care of everything. She didn't have a clue, yeah, uh, about anything investment wise. And I was explaining to her. Um, like the investments that we're going to be putting in her in with her with her portfolio and she was just looking at me and she's like i don't understand what you're saying i'm like okay so i closed my computer i looked at her and i said all right let's go through uh we'll walk into my favorite store which is seize candy mm-hmm. and we go to the back of the seize candy store and we can get a two pound box of nuts and shoes and the nuts and shoes are a combination of different pieces of candy, right? Some have nuts, some have caramel, some have this or that, whatever. And But within this box, you've got a lot of different flavors. And well, a mutual fund is kind of like that. A mutual fund is a box where there's all these different companies inside the box of, of chocolates. And that's what a mutual fund is. It's just a bunch of different companies together. She's like, oh, okay, that makes it. So it wasn't, I wasn't trying to like make it silly. I was just trying to simplify it and make it relatable. And then later we were talking about a mutual fund. She goes, oh, like the box of chocolate. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. So her all the meter change. I said, you now too. Like, see, she goes in. Yeah. It was like, okay, that makes sense. And again, we complicate it to sound important or we sound like, you know, whatever. And we just need to 
make this so simple. And I, I yeah, taught individuals, I said, if you, if you're trying to, if, if someone's trying to sell you a product and you don't understand it, where you can turn around and teach it to a fourth grader, mm-hmm. then you should not be investing in it because you don't really fully understand it. Yeah. You fully don't understand a particular product. A lot of these annuities and insurance products, they have a lot of moving parts. Yeah, they're not bad or good, but if you don't understand them, you need to, you need to just wait until you do. Yeah. Um, so. Look at this. Do you find that a lot of people don't understand their full one case? And I think the reason why I ask is that I think even me, even I did for a while, was like, you know, I feel like a full one k with your company, with your company is something, okay, I'm on, I'm going to do the maths and I'm just going to leave it alone. I'm not going to think about it. Like, I don't even, I'm not checking it. I'm not seeing what's going on with it. I don't know if it's going up or down. I just know it's there and I don't have to hog about it. Do you think you start to, do we need to start taking more of an active role and looking it up for a 9K paying attention to what's going on in the market? Absolutely. We absolutely need to, I mean, no one cares more about your money than you do. And so we do write that. Yeah. No, you absolutely have to know within 401ks, typically there's less options to invest in. There's less choices of funds. Versus if you were to go to like a Fidelity where there's tens of thousands of different funds. Yeah. A mutual fund has a very small select number of funds. And a lot of times I'll put you into a target date fund, meaning that if you're going to retire in, you know, 2060, you just, you invest in a target date fund 2060 and it's already allocated for you and they do the rebalancing and they take care of it all. And that's all great. You know, date funds are, are, are wonderful for that. Um, but you absolutely should see what's going on. You should look at your statements, you know, quarterly or a couple yeah. times a year. You know, don't look at it daily. That's too much. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, keep an eye on it and know when the market goes down. That's just, that's normal. The market's going to be volatile. This is a long-term gain. And you don't play the ebbs and flows and jump out because you panic because the market's down. That's like yeah. what we're seeing you can do. Um, but yes, you should absolutely do 401k. I think a lot of these 401k companies, they do um, offer some education to the company. So if you're, if a company um, has a fun, a 401k, ask if you can have their, their rep come in and do a little, you know, half hour discussion about your choices and your options and yeah, why you shouldn't be doing this 401k. You know, you're right though. I think if they could just make it simple because they are coming and they kind of really do give you all the financial jargon and you're just like, I don't know what any of this means, but when you're able to make it simple, just like I said, I'm not your father, it's like a box of chocolates, you know, all these different people, all these different companies are in it. it it's like, oh, that's what that is. Even that was like, oh, okay. I think I understand that better now. Just by the simple way that you, that you explain it. And then we can all get people to explain it the way you with it. We all can understand our money better and how to manage it and how to build it and how to grow it. Right, right. And it won't be this fearful, you know, overwhelming, yeah, like hole of, uh, oh my gosh, I don't even want to open that, that can. Um, yeah, once you understand it, and that's what I was saying earlier, the mechanics of money are really generally pretty simple. And once you learn it, then you understand it. It's not this mystery anymore. Um, the the bigger piece of, of I think, the, the money is our relationship with money and our mindset around money. Yes. So that's the foundation yep. um, that can make or break our, our you know, experience with, with money. How do, you, how do you get a money mindset? Like, how do you get that? Because I think what? Yeah, that's a lot to unpack. That's a very, that, that's a whole other conversation. That'll, that's a two-hour podcast on a different day. Um, 
you know, it's yeah, the lapses. The, the, okay, so I'll, I'll give you a, a very high level. So I want you to imagine a um, iceberg, okay, in the in the ocean. So the top, when you can see the actual iceberg in your conscious mind, okay? Yeah. Underneath the water is the bigger piece of the iceberg. That's where the major size of the iceberg lays, and that's your subconscious, right? So our subconscious um, actually dictates 95% of our external reality. So our little subconscious is playing these tape recorders or in our in our brain that we absorbed and learned when we were um, from you know being born to about eight years old. Yeah, and we heard different things. We heard messages from our parents, our grandparents, our aunts, uncles, whoever, teachers, and we heard things. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Like, money doesn't grow on trees. Why do you think we're rich? Rich people are out there. Yes. All these different things. So we either grew up in a in a in a in a household that was that was scarcity mindset or abundant mindset. We've heard. Uh, and so that is what we have going on in our in our subconscious mind and and going on in the, in the background. Um, so our decisions that we make consciously are mainly focused on the result of what we're thinking subconsciously. Mm-hmm. And to unlearn that and to change that. That's a that's that's a um, that's a big process, and yeah. it's a it's a lifelong process. It doesn't just happen overnight. It isn't about just sitting and you know thinking I am wealthy, I am wealthy, I am wealthy. That yeah, work. Yeah. Um, so, uh, like I said, that's a very big conversation, but that's a very high level response. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of us live in that scarcity mindset, which is why when we get something, we always try to hold on to it. You know what I mean? Versus an investment is like, um, I don't know if I'm going to do that. I rather, because like I said, my mom is like, no, you work, you save, work, you save. You know what I mean? And you don't spend that money for nothing. And so I grew up thinking, oh man, if I don't have a savings and I'm not doing well in life, you know? And so that's that. Then if I'm not doing, if I'm not doing well, then I'll begin to, then I'm feeling bad about myself. Now I feel, you know, I don't feel very confident because I'm too embarrassed to tell people, oh, I don't have a savings. And, you know, because my mom has taught me, like, we need to have a savings, you need to have a savings, you need to have a savings. Yeah. And so, if you're right, being able to get out of that scarcity mindset is, is huge. 
because I know a lot of my friends, including myself, that live that way. Yeah. So um, I'll I'll respond to that in a in a in a, in a way to kind of get you thinking and, and our audience thinking. Um, having that savings and having that cash in the bank is um, very important. We obviously need an emergency fund to fall back on um, to deal with whatever is unexpected in life. And we all know that unexpected stuff happens, right? Yeah. So having that cash in the bank is good. But depending upon the other factors in your life, and this is going to go a little bit kind of uh, out there, uh, your cash flow, what's coming in, what's going out, how old you are, your risk tolerance, all these other factors will determine what you put in the market and yeah. what you put in the market. And you have to have some of the market. If you're, if you're, I mean, you're, you seem young, right? So you're, you're not 70, right? <laughs> um, you know, you, you're not ready to retire. Yeah. Um, you have time before you need those, those monies. Um, so if you are in a situation where you have funds that you won't need for seven to 10 years or more, that should be invested in the market. And, yeah. and, and the reason why is the money that you have in your savings account um, isn't keeping up with inflation. No, you know, that- today's inflation is, uh, well, it was, you know, eight or nine percent a few months ago. Um, but but, you know, typically it's it's four or five, six percent. Right. Right now, I think it's around six. But this is, you know, it, it's a fluid number. Um, and if you've got your money sitting in the bank earning two percent and inflation is six percent. Well, guess what? You're underwater. Mm-hmm. You're you're losing money to inflation. So the, the the purchasing power of your money isn't going as far as you think it is. Yeah. If a brand that was, you know, once a dollar is now two dollars, then your dollar in the bank doesn't, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't go as far. So um, you have to have different buckets. You've got to have the cash bucket. You know, there's cash is king or cash is queen. That's, you've got to have the um, money in the market, you yeah. so in index funds and different ways to invest there. And then you have an investment in maybe the fixed income market, which is the, the bonds, which are the safer assets. Yeah. Um, and then if you're going to buy a home or if you need it for a wedding or all those, I mean, again, this is very personal and there's so many living parts to it. Yeah. But you've got to look at your entire financial picture to determine how am I going to allocate and diversify my money. But putting all of your money in the bank is is actually working against you for that yeah. purpose. Huh. That's something to think about. What are your thoughts? So, because I think a lot of people talking about trust. And put money in a trust for our kids or put money in a trust because they said it's not taxable and all this stuff. What are your thoughts around that? Well, when I hear the word trust, um, I, I think of a living trust where you're you're putting your assets in a living trust. Um, one to avoid probate and, and one to make sure that your wishes are carried out. So if you want your assets to go in a certain direction then you want to make sure that's all written out and, and everyone knows about it. Um, and within the living trust falls the medical directive. So if something happens to you, who has the right to make a decision on, you know, how and what to do with you. If you're in a coma and the yeah. decision to be made on what to do, who has that right to make that decision? You've got to make sure that that's written down somewhere. Okay. Um, so that living trust, people look at, oh, I don't have an estate plan. I don't have a big enough estate. The size of your estate doesn't matter. It's really what you want and where you want your funds to go as far as the uh, living trust goes. Now, the other comment that you're making about the trust, um, you want to reach out to an attorney or a CPA to get yeah. into the nuances and the tax consequences of how to put your funds into trust. And that, yeah. that's typically more for those individuals who have more assets and that yeah. are are trying to be creative. But I think in your, in, in your um, 
context, more of just having a living trust, having an estate plan. Mm-hmm. That's important for everybody, regardless of your portfolio size. Okay. Yeah, because I, I hear people talk about that. And I heard people talk a lot about insurance. It's just, what is this insurance that you can invest in, that you can take money from? Yeah, so there's there's one of those things where um, a lot of people have been talking about that lately. Yeah. Um, you know, if you listen to Susie Orman at all, she'll tell you to run like the, you know, the, the, the men from those products. <laughs> um, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of on board with that. So a universal life, a whole life, there's different kind of insurance policies. Yeah. Incorporate the a combination of some life coverage and then, of course, some investing piece. But they're, again, if you can't explain it to a fourth grader, then you shouldn't be investing in it. Right. Exactly. I know so, nothing about it. Yeah, the, the, the simplicity is if you have children, you have a family, you have people that need your, um, you know, need funds if you were to pass, a term life insurance, a simple term life insurance is the least expensive way to go where you just, I'm going to have a million dollar term policy, it's this much per month, and it's far less expensive than a whole life or universal life, but there's no investing side to it. It's just a simple mm-hmm. insurance policy. Yeah, it's a 10-year policy, 20-year policy, and you don't die in that 20 and 20 years. Well, yay, good for you. But all all those premiums are gone, right? Yeah. You pay, like anything else, you pay home insurance, you pay car insurance. If you never get in an accident or your house doesn't ever burn down, but, you know, yeah, but it is. That's what yeah. insurance is. Um, but the investment side, if you were to look at just putting those assets that would have been a more expensive premium, um, you would be, and you put that into the market in your own investment and investing, then, then that's the way to do it. Really? Yeah. Um, that's my recommendation. I'll, I'll just say that. Keep the piece of the term life insurance separate, invest in the, in, in the market and index funds, um, because the, the costs of those universal life and those whole life, there's hidden fees, there's different, you know, things that are in there where it's costing you more in the, in the long run. Um, they make sense for some people. I'm not saying they're, they're a horrible product. Yeah. Um, but again, you've got to fully, completely understand those before it makes any sense for you to get into. Yeah. yeah. What are your thoughts? Because I've been watching the awards lately and they're already talking about our our debt as a country, I guess, and what's going to happen if you default on that and what happens to retirement funds and I guess the market itself. So what are your thoughts around, around that? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um that could be another conversation as well. Yeah. I think overall, yes. I mean, we've we've um, we've been down this road before and we've seen the market volatile. I mean, since the inception of the market, we've seen the Great Depression, we've seen different times in the in the markets where in nine yeah. eleven, we've had different different times in our in our history where we've had some, you know, very uh, worldwide issues. And at the end of the day, the stock market is the health of the companies that run this world, right? Um, and if the health of the companies are overall healthy, then overall we're going to be okay in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the debt ceiling is the concern. Yeah, uh, how how it's going to affect Postal Security and how it's going to affect you know yeah. other pieces. It's it's hard to say. I don't really know the answer to that question. Um, but I think we've got to just sort of step back and keep that big picture in mind and know that. We have control over our life and our world and how we manage our money. Yeah, and that's what we should focus on. If we get caught up in, in, in the in the in the big world pictures, now I'm not saying you know put your head in the sand by any stretch. You've, you've got to be aware of what's happening and how it impacts you. Yeah. Um, but people get very excited and anxious and nervous and 
they have no, they have no control over that piece of it. So I I say, you know, step back, control what you can control, and and try to yeah be aware of what's happening in the market. But sometimes watching the news can work against you. Oh yeah, yeah, it can it can scare you to death. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you feel like okay, I've got to stop spending everything right now because I don't know what's about to happen. So yeah, we we should definitely be be mindful of what's happening. I'm not yeah. again saying that we should just ignore it, but. Um, we, li- li- living in that constant fear, living in that anxiety is just going to create, you know, more fear, more anxiety, and then we're going to be making poor decisions. Like if the market yeah. does tank, the fear is like, oh my gosh, sell everything. I want to get out and go to cash. Yeah. That's that's not a good thing. That's not, that's. I mean, that's like selling when everything's in the market is down. Like that's like the absolute worst thing you can do. Uh-huh. Um, so a lot of that behavioral finance is a big piece of um, being mindful of, of, of your money for sure. Yeah. What are some of the mistakes you see most women making when it comes to their money, maybe investments? Like, do when it comes to you, with the women that you coach, uh, do they already have the assets? They just need to figure out where to put them and understand where they are? Or do they come to you and say, hey, I don't know what to do with anything. I'm getting a check. I'm getting some little money here. And I need to know how to make it grow for me. Yeah. Yes and yes and yes. <laughs> All of what you said. <laughs> so, yeah, and it, it just runs the gambit. Um, yeah. I mean, certainly there are some that have, you know, sizable portfolios and um, they have no idea what, what to do. And at that point, you know, depending upon the other moving parts of their world, it might make sense to work with the financial planner. Yeah. And a lot of times I will refer out to a financial advisor and say, okay, here's why you should consider using one because there's a lot of tax consequences involved and there's a lot of moving parts. And I know that she won't implement these things on her own or rebalance her portfolio when it's necessary. And and financial advisors are certainly a very valuable resource, no question. Yeah. Um, so I don't replace a financial advisor. I work with financial advisors. I'm a compliment to, to them. Oh, that's I, yeah. I, I work with financial advisors because I do what they don't do and vice versa. I don't mm-hmm. manage assets. I don't take their monies and tell them what to do, like how to invest it. Um, but, but, you know, to, to your point, we, we start at the beginning. It's, it's, a, it's a roadmap. We start at, okay, where are you at today? What's coming in? What's going out? What do, you, what do you need every month to really pay your bills? What's coming in net every month? Um, where's the gap? How do we uh-huh. clean up the gap if there is one? If there's positive cash flow, then let's look at what we can do with that. Um, you know, if there's debts, we need to address that. So again, it's very personal and we, we you know, dive deep into those situations and we walk through um, you know, what all that looks like. I mean, if there's, if there's credit cleanup to be done, I help me yeah. that. Um, because after divorce, you know, a lot of times those credit cards are, are closed. And so there's, there's a hit to your credit sometimes. So, yeah. um, and then if you want to buy a house or refinance, I help with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, there's so many moving parts and there's so many individual circumstances, but, you know, overall it's, you know, let's start where we're going and let's look, or let's start where we are and look where we're going. And then yeah. fill in that gap. Do you advise them to, hey, let's stay away from credit cards at this moment and try to focus on um, taking, building what you have and managing that well? Like, what if somebody comes and say, hey, I want to open this credit card. Would you tell them, hey, let's stay away from that. Let's just kind of manage what you have. It depends. If they have a very good credit score and they've got other cards, um, and they're using and paying in full every month, then there's no reason to open up more credit. Yeah. Um, if they have a house and they have, you know, one installment loan, like a car payment, and then a couple credit cards, that's all they need to build their credit. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I've actually seen some individuals uh, with a credit score in the 700s, mid 700s, with no mortgage. How so that? it just, um, yeah, it's 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 uh, it, it's important. More credit is not better. Yeah, uh, yeah. But if your focus is paying it off and and paying it down, we put a plan in place and get that done while also investing. It isn't like one or the other. I I am a proponent of doing both. You need that emergency fund to fall back on so that you don't have to pull out that 20% credit card when something yeah. bad happens and you need to put any tire because it blew out, right? Um, you you need to have some some cash in, in the bank. Um, so it's it's a combination of both. And there's definitely a strategy and, and plan that we work on to attack both. Yeah. I think it's good because like you said, the mindset around money and being able to understand i think that's why a lot of us don't um manage it where i said it because we just don't understand it and i think you get on the head and said because there's such all these different terms floating around where we're like super confused about it and so we don't do well with it because we're just confused out here but like i don't know what to do with this like i said sure just really trying to understand our 401ks you know what i mean Right, right. Well, that's very common. I, I mean, that's that's the vast majority of you know what what we see. Right. Uh, again, and this is one of the things I I, I tell ladies: you know, give yourself grace. Start yeah. there. Give yourself grace and realize that you know it's okay. Your your parents did as best as they could. They only taught you what they knew, and so there's no fault to them either. Yeah. So it's not about pointing fingers or finding fault in anybody. This is about here we are today. What what can we do to move forward? And um, just be kind to yourself. Give yourself that grace and know that, um, you know, you will learn this. It will take some time to have these conversations and and, and learn from whoever you want to choose to learn from. Um, it's absolutely, positively, without question, uh, you know, very easily done. Um, it's just finding that person that you feel comfortable with and working and, and, and learning. And it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. Um, but, you know, do it. Do it afraid. Yeah. And I think that's the main piece of like, well, you're scared, but you got to do it anyway. You got to fence your, your financial situation if they want to see it get better, which I, I mean, it's the same thing I have to do. I need to really sit down and look at it. Okay. Even with my business, what's going out? What's coming in? What's being paid here? What's being paid there? Because I feel like right now, I don't have a good sense of that, you know? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I have to do it better than this. And I'm not afraid to, I'm not afraid to uh, tackle the question of large money and stuff like that. Um, but but it does bother me that I'm like, okay, I should be better at this. And so I think that's why I beat myself up as like, you should have paid more attention to this. You know you should. <laughs> well, don't use the word should because it'll put you in a position of, of like, uh, like you're behind the eight ball. And, and okay, it's not that. It's not about should have, would have, could have, right? Yeah. Um, it's about okay. Here we are today. What's what's the, my best interest and my company's best interest to to do this moving forward? Maybe I take yeah. a uh, half a day and I just spend that buried in my books and understanding what's coming in, what's going out. Get everything written down. Put it in a in a binder. Put it in the folder. Put it whatever it is that works for you. Yeah. Um. And then and then get you know get a handle on where you are today. And that in itself is going to be very empowering. You're gonna yeah. Okay. Now I got it. Now I see where. Here's some holes in it. I see a lot more going out in in this area that shouldn't have to happen. Let me you know slow that down a bit, um, because we can't make any decisions until we know what what's happening in our in our you know what's when it is that's happening in our in our finances. So there's yeah. a decision to be made until you know. Yeah. What what tips or advice you can give someone um, to kind of get on that path to 
understanding their financial their financials. So, you know, again, I would say seek out education, seek out the help of, um, you know, a financial coach, whether it's me or anybody else, get that help. Um, it's an investment in yourself. And, you know, the, the best investment you can make is in yourself because no one can take that, you know, that, that smarts away from you. Um, and, you know, read books. There's a, gosh, the number of books that you can learn from are just countless. So find an author that you uh, you know, enjoy listen to podcasts by you know financial um, speakers and and just little by little, um, take that education, um, and and try to just um, again be kind with yourself. Yeah. You're not going to become a master at managing your money in in two months. There's a lot of moving parts to it. Um, my my program has nine different areas of your life that you should focus on, mm-hmm. and um, it's kind of an overview, comprehensive package but again it's it's find someone that you like and that you trust and and have a referral have a conversation and 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 we're very intuitive as women we have a very strong intuition if we can sit and just listen to it yeah so if something feels off for you by having a conversation with somebody it's probably off and you probably should just walk away and thank them um if it if it feels good if it feels right then you know explore that and and potentially move forward um but yeah and Try to stay offline. Off uh, online is or stay off, stay off the market. Yeah, the online because it's just. I mean, there's some good information, but it's hard to to filter it all. It's just yeah, really, it really is. So one, it's hard to decipher what's good and what's really and what's not. But I think it's good. I think I'm gonna do that today. I'm gonna sit down, and I'm looking at everything that I pay out because I just started talking to my husband and the friends about like, hey, you know, I really need to get a better handle on what I'm paying out when it comes to. You know, a lot of times you sign up for stuff. And you completely forget it, and then it hits your account. You're like, "What is this?" And so I need to go. This. Yeah, I need to go and make a list of everything that I'm paying out, tune services, whatever I'm using, to see do I still need all of these, and so I could just get a better handle what's going out and what I'm paying for. Right, yeah. right. And if, if you find out that you're paying two hundred dollars a month for something that you don't need, yeah, that money can go back into your company or into a mutual funds, right? Exactly. Earbuds, chocolate. <laughs> chocolate. I like it. So tell us about your program that you're offering so my audience can know about it. The program is called Minding Her Money. Ooh, and I like it. Mind, yeah, well, we are minding her money. So yes. it, uh, as I mentioned, it incorporates nine different areas. Um, it really is a transformational program that will help ladies at the end of the day uh, just get comfortable with managing their money. And I'm going to just you know, say that it be, helps them become a badass at being a money manager. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just, um, I mean, we talk about I mean, the, the, the mechanics of the business is, or the program is, we talk about the money piece um, as far as the money mindset. We talk about self-care. Those, mm-hmm. those two are the kind of foundational. Getting organized, starting to get your papers together. We talk about getting your credit cleaned up or kept up if you if need be, buying home on your own, mm-hmm. uh, dealing with the debt, dealing with spending, look at, you know, the emotional spending that happens and kind of take a deeper dive with that. We have two modules on investing. One is more simplistic and, and uh, just a, a breakdown of the jargon mm-hmm. in simple terms so they have an understanding of what all these things mean. And then the other module is uh, going a little bit deeper where there's so tax strategies and some more things just to be aware of. And I make it very simple. I explain it very clearly like I did the box of chocolates. Um, so it makes it very simple to understand. And then the last component is um, living our ultimate legacy and retirement. So we can, and even if you're in your 40s or 50s, you're just mm-hmm. want to think about what kind of legacy you want to leave and, and what that retirement looks like. So 
It's a combination of a digital course where they get to watch these videos and they have a lifetime access. And then we have uh, weekly co coaching calls for 90 days. And um, that's awesome. That's one That's one piece of it. And then you have the option of uh, buying another program where it includes all that. But then you have 10 uh, meetings with me one-on-one -on -one and we dive deep into your personal situation. Yeah, I like that. I really do. It works. It works. We no. all you like be better with money. Yeah. And minding her money is seriously the thing we should be doing. Yes, <laughs> I think so. No, you're right. I mean, this conversation has really kind of like just opened my mind up more and said, okay, I'm going to really sit down and really going to get deep into it and really start looking at things. Like I said, just doing that one step will make me feel better. And then maybe how I'm going to answer a course like yours probably will take me over the edge. <laughs> It'll take me all the way on to, to freedom. Yes, that, that's the you know freedom and peace of mind. That's the uh, that's my ultimate goal for for ladies. I don't want them to be having sleepless nights, wondering if they're gonna run out of money or if they're gonna you know it's it's just uh, you know I sleep on your kid's couch you know yeah. that retirement. So um, I get those fears. I understand the journey of being divorced and you know flying solo in life. And uh, I've got so married women that come to me and say, well, does my program work for you and or for, for me? And I'm like, yeah, it does. I mean, money smarts and money smarts. It's yeah. the same thing. Um, I just weave a lot of my journey with my divorce in, in the program. So um, I relate yeah. to that to that world. Yeah, you have a lot of experience in it. It's so funny. I was listening to, I don't know if it was a podcast. I was watching something on YouTube and the guy has talked about how a lot of people are like, oh, I want more money. I want more money. I want to do this. I want to bring in more money. And he said, you know, God can't bless you with more money if we don't know how to manage the money you already have. So why would he buy us with all these millions just so you just kind of like squander it, right? Well, you right. have to learn, he said, you have to learn how to manage the money you have on the level that you're on before you can even be blessed with anything greater. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And that's why you see a lot of the the lottery winners, you know, they come into these millions. Yeah. And and the vast majority of them, like a year later or two years later, are back to where they were. Yep. They just don't have that. Uh, relationship with money they don't understand the money they don't have that proper education yeah uh, so yeah it's definitely uh yeah and 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 it's not just managing it it's also being charitable turn around and get yeah. it back and it's not adding it with so it was it's it's yeah it's it's uh money is energy money is flow it's like an ocean it comes and goes and there's enough of it for everybody and there's an abundance of it out there and if you just know that it's coming and going, and and the more you give, and the more you just, it just it just all flows. And yeah. I know that's a lot of woo woo, but no, or that's seriously that's science behind that. I love that. Oh, I'm glad you said that. Um, before we end the show, which I don't want to end because I could talk to you forever. <laughs> um, give me. I ask this question to all of my guests that come on. What was some of the best advice you received from another woman? When it comes to money or just life in general? Just life, it comes to money, it can life, whatever advice you felt like was pivotal for you, you know, that stood out for you. Yeah. Um, I had a lot from my mom growing up that was that was good. I can't say there's any one particular comment, but just watching her, uh, uh, just uh, her compassion and her huge heart and, and just the way she loved deeply. Mm -hmm. um, so... She would probably she would be my my first and foremost hero. Yeah. Um. I think. You know, it's interesting. I I, I think it's probably more from um, female authors that I yeah. learned from. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, there have been some wonderful women in my life for sure. Um, but some of the transformational things I've read in books, uh, there's a great book called, called How Women Rise. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, I, I got certified as an executive coach through Marshall Goldsmith. And mm-hmm. he wrote the book with a gal, Sally Helgeson, if I'm repeating up her name. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just about how women rise in life, not just in, you know, corporate America. Yeah. Um, and that was a, a, a really great book. So, and of course, Brene Brown, you know, all of her allegation oh, yeah. is very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a long answer to your question, but then you go, oh, but it's good. Listen, information is powerful. You know, you'll be inspired by so many people along your journey throughout life. I know I have. You know, all just the type of women. I even been inspired by the women I talk to, like home guys every day. They kind of give me up these tips and these things were just like, oh, yeah, you can do that. Even. Yeah. So it's all like, I love it. I love talking to women. I love hearing conversations. I love hearing the stories behind the brand or just understanding more about everyone that I come on this show because it, it does inspire me to be a better woman, to be a better person, to be a better service in this world. So cute little Patty on the show. Oh, well, thank you, Shani. I appreciate being here. And, you know, women rise with women, right? I mean, I was saying, oh, I'm going to completely butcher, but there's, you know, the tides, we all rise together. And, oh, yeah, I think if we lift each other up, then that's a beautiful thing. It's the way, it's the, it's the only way to do it. That's how I like it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. I am Shani Sanders. This is the Girl Take No Podcast. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Girl Techno Podcast. We really hope this episode gets you one step further in your dream of becoming an entrepreneur. If you like this episode, please leave us a review. Once you leave us a review, we will shout you out on our next episode. Now, in order to qualify for the shout out, all you have to do is leave a review, screenshot the review, tag Girl Techno Podcast in your stories, and you will get a shout out in our next episode. Until then, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.